Welcome to the Notes with Friends podcast, hosted by me, Jody Moore Lewis, where I interview women artists, creatives, and entrepreneurs about little notes of life, courage, wisdom, love, and curiosity. Excited for you to join the chat. Hello, Notes with Friends podcast listeners. <laughs> Can I say that now, or is it too early? Episode three. Are we like a Notes with Friends fam now? I don't know. I will say these intros are the weirdest thing to do because I'm just talking to myself alone in a room, me and my mic, just rambling. People do it all the time. I listen to so many amazing podcasts with the host doing the intro and it sounds fabulous and engaging and sometimes I just feel like I'm grasping for ideas (laughs) you know I'm like what am I even saying it's just me sitting here but you know that's what this is that there has to be an intro so you know what you're getting yourself into I gotta prime you I gotta get you excited you know that's my job right now and I am really excited to announce today's guest but that will be after of course Another plug, because next weekend, our Be Home Theater Company is opening our show in LA, April 28th and 29th, and May 5th and May 6th. So please make sure to grab your tickets. It will be in the show notes. We'd love to see you. It's going to be fabulous. We just had our first full-on, full-fledged rehearsal with everybody today, and it was electric. So can't wait to share that with you. Feel free to sign up for my newsletter for updates on this podcast, updates on my life, musings and happenings, wonderings, strollings, all the things, more ramblings most likely, uh, on my Substack love notes. And other than that, it's just been a beautiful full week. So much going on with rehearsals and production and getting ready for the show And prepping for this episode, which is with the wonderful and magical Erica Dean, the first woman I have on the podcast who isn't an actor. Erica is a transformational coach and ceremonialist based in Topanga Canyon, California. Her background spans IFS, internal family systems, compassionate inquiry-based coaching, and plant medicine healing. We had such a lovely conversation. It's a cozy pillow of a conversation, a warm hug, a gentle nudge to awaken our souls and really look at how we can move our lives into a path that feels more true to who we are and our values. She is a wonderful, wonderful insightful, wise woman, human, and coach. I was fortunate enough to work with her before. I did a six-month container and it felt remarkable how quickly I could feel some of the changes in my life, how I was starting to form in different ways and flow in different ways. She, she, really is incredible with her gifts and I still use a lot of her her guidance and tools to this day I think this episode is expansive and I think allow you to look at yourself in a different light maybe one that you didn't know you could see before so here we go with the awe-inspiring Erica Dean I love it. You're starting your ritual, a little burning, burning ritual. Amazing. I love that. I got good rest last night. I had a nice, easy morning. I love a slow morning. Oh, me too. I feel great. Me too. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here. Oh my gosh, it's truly my pleasure. 
I'm so I, I've always said, like, if someone would just put me on a bunch of podcasts, because I can talk. <laughs> <laughs> right? I just need someone to ask me questions. And you ha even had that like blooming when you were cutting my hair at the salon. You were like, I just want like to talk. Like uh -huh. I hear we have so many wonderful conversations or you have so many wonderful conversations with the people in your life and your clients and all of that. And um, I kind of just want to get into it because I feel like you're now living a very aligned, purposeful life, or at least it's like starting to expand in that way for you. And I'd want to go back to the beginning of like, can you kind of tell everyone like where you're from and kind of what like childhood Erica was like and maybe like, because I feel like childhood Erica maybe would not even expect you to be doing what you do today. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's interesting that you asked this question because it's something that I've been kind of um, playing with myself recently is really being mindful of the way that I tell my stories and being mindful of the way that like, um, you know, when we when we talk about something, we're really kind of catalyzing this this storytelling and and it creates um, a little bit of resistance and like breaking beyond it. And so like always. I'll, <sighs> Obviously, it's a, it's a it's a not fully formed thought yet, but I love that you asked the question because I've been really um, asking myself the same thing, like what is my story and who is little Ka? And that was my childhood nickname. And um, you know, what does she think of what we're doing today? And it's it's so far from the direction that I was going in life, um, and it's so perfectly in line with the direction that I wanted to go in life. I've always been, I guess I should, I don't, maybe I should start by just like broadly explaining what I'm doing today. And I'm, I'm a coach and I facilitate retreats and ceremonies and journeys. And, um, and I've really made this full commitment to a life of service. And, um, when I really sit back and I think about the younger versions of me, uh, I was always just so naturally a nurturer and so naturally wanting to take care of people and listen to people and um, when it felt true, give advice to people. And there was a like that was who I was born into, you know, this lifetime. Those were those were gifts that I was born into this lifetime with and um, the family structure that I was in was perfect to really cultivate those skills to cultivate that nurturing skill and then as i got older the you know societal constructs of life really take over the way that they do with so many of us oh yes <laughs> yeah yeah and it's 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 like the most exciting part of our story when we get to really start to deconstruct and reconstruct what you know how to show up in this world and um like so many, so many of us, I think that our innate gifts are so often unconsciously used and depleted by the people around us. And so the people that really need that nurturing kind of latch on. And on the other side of, you know, being that innate nurturer, I also was so desperate for love and so desperate for resources and so desperate for um, what I considered to be lacking in my upbringing. And so I got into a lot of relational dynamics that really drained me and really took advantage of this, this nurturing side of me. And um, I found myself, uh, let me slow down. I really found myself in a position where I was being so depleted and what was being given back to me um, wasn't sustaining me. And that's when I made the move to California. Um, I had ended a, a very long-term 10-year relationship and uh, essentially just packed my bags and was like, I'm going to start over somewhere. And I landed myself here in Los Angeles, and that's been about 10 years ago. And, you know, we kind of make these decisions for ourselves um, spontaneously. 
and in response to what we feel isn't right, but we don't really know where we're going. We don't really know what version of us is going to meet us on the other side of those spontaneous decisions. And so LA was kind of like my first phase of a re rebirth. And then everything is kind of so long story long, the little me is so <laughs> circling back. Uh, the little me, I think, is so incredibly grateful that we have found a way to use what has always been um, so natural for her um, to to be in service in a way that feels right and that gives back to us in a way that feels so unbelievably sustaining in regards to just like the life force energy that it provides us with. And I say us, meaning me, Erica of today, and like all of the Ericas that exist inside of me on a regular, constant basis. <laughs> all the little yous, the different versions. Mm -hmm. um, what is so cool about you telling that story is because I, I feel like we met shortly after you moved out here, right? Very shortly after, yeah. Yeah. Shout out to Sarah Roundtree. Yeah, shout out, Sarah. Um, <laughs> right. And it is funny when you mention this, this version of you always kind of being a nurturer and you opening yourself up to doing that in a more aligned way that is kind of how i saw you you know mm -hmm. in a way like you have always had that essence mm -hmm. and that's been kind of like your through line like what you've kind of carried with you mm -hmm. subconsciously or unconscious subconsciously yeah. right <laughs> yeah um and and seeing it morph as your friend it's, it's just been like a really beautiful metamorphosis. Like you're now like a butterfly. And even though you always were a butterfly in my eyes, but it's like, oh, <laughs> now I see you truly are the butterfly now. Yeah, well, I think that that's a really beautiful thing to kind of stop on too, which just interrupt me whenever to get me back <laughs> on track because I could like run with everything that you say. Um, I know, but I could literally just like listen in awe with everything <laughs> you say. So vicious cycle here. <laughs> right. Um, to just always remember that like there is a part of us that is in its butterfly phase and then there's a part of us that's in our cocoon phase and then there's a part of us that's in our caterpillar phase at all times. And so although there is a version of me that's, you know, in her complete metamorphosis and expanding in this like beautiful butterfly, there's also the part of me that's cocooning currently. And there's a part of me that's like just getting started. And so it's not linear. And I really appreciate that reflection so much. And just, but wanting to make note that we're just never done. Exactly. Do you see how many lessons this woman has? She is the <laughs> wisest. Wises, you have got to work with her and we'll get into all of the things that she has to offer mm -hmm. in a little bit. But so you had only lived in Missouri before you moved to California. California was kind of like your first leaving the nest mm -hmm. for real. That was yep. same for me too. I never lived anywhere other than North Carolina. And then here. Oh, we I didn't are. know that. Yeah. I mean, I studied abroad for a uh, summer, mm -hmm. which was life changing. Yeah, that but, totally counts. Yeah, I yes, it definitely counts because I was out of my comfort zone for sure. But officially, like, live somewhere. I always knew I was coming back, right? In a way, which is kind of you know, why do we always feel like we have to come back? Why couldn't I just stay in France and have a different story? But I came back, and now I'm here, and that's great. <laughs> uh -huh. Um, so. But it did take you, I feel like, a while to kind of find this more spiritual side of yourself. So what was that like coming to Los Angeles? You you didn't really know anyone either, right? It was just kind of like, I'm going to have a change and this feels like the right direction. Yeah, yeah. I had moved with um, my best friend uh, at the time. We had gone through pretty intense, like, long childhood breakups around the same time and we were between New York and LA and we landed in LA together and she was really the only person I knew here and um <laughs> the spiritual journey started with yet again another breakup <laughs> <laughs> so I was in a relationship with someone for several years and when that ended it was when that was ending I was really starting to see what I consider to be one of the most important pieces in the work. And when I say the work, I think we all know that I'm, I'm referring to, you know, the internal work, the, the 
you know, whether we want to call it spiritual work or personal work or therapy, you know, um, but one of the important pieces I think is really starting to see that we are, we are the lead creator of our own reality. And that's a really hard thing to come to grips with because when I was coming out of this relationship, I was like, you are the problem and you did all this to me and this is, you know, I'm in all of this pain because of the things that you've done. And like, yes, and I was a match for that dynamic. I was a match for that level of relationship. And so um, all of the things that he was doing to me, there were parts inside of me that were completely getting off at the drama and the chaos and the trauma and the abuse. And so really starting to understand that on in like a visceral way um, is both challenging and deeply empowering because we can blame people all we want and that takes the um immediate pressure off of us you know there's like this this immediacy of relief that we we get when we're like oh no it's you not me and it's like okay but long term those things are going to continue to happen and so when you finally get to a place where you're courageous enough to stop and say oh no this is this is a me thing then you have to sit with the tremendous discomfort of taking ownership of all the ways in which you've shown up for yourself and abandoned yourself and you're gaining all of the control of shifting those patterns and so this breakup for me was that moment when i started to see with such clarity that this this expression that's happening right now, this relationship that's happening right now is a direct response to the unhealed trauma that I have yet to uncover from my childhood and beyond. And so that's kind of where it all began was this moment of, oh fuck, this is me. This is the me thing. And like, fuck, and also, thank God there, I can actually get some sustainable results from the type of work that I'm going to put into this. And it was not easy, but it's, it was very empowering. And that's kind of where, that's where it all began. That's when I started what, you know, so many of us would call like the beginning stages of my awakening. So. And you at first used a lot of tools like you had a really amazing therapist that you went to this is when you started that right and meditating yep. doing solo hikes or, or gearing up for your big solo hike yeah oh man i mean i leaned into i'm we're so we're so blessed in california in los angeles in particular to have so many modalities available to us and not only are they available but they're talked about and they're celebrated and so to be sitting at lunch with someone and to be talking about what it is that i'm going through then there's so many different avenues to take where it's like breath work meditation therapy you know and so i leaned into all of them and so, <laughs> i'm just going all in <laughs> yep all my chips on the table here we go we're just deep diving and and it was from a place of absolute suffering i was in pain i was miserable i was looping in stories i was deep diving in instagram and digging around trying to find answers to the incredible discomfort that I was doing all the things I was doing all the things and I was in so much pain and so this this all of these modalities that I picked up on was coming from a place of just like desperation and I had an incredible therapist my first try with someone ended up being just like my most incredible mentor who I love so dearly um and you know hired a meditation coach and got deep into the you know the vedic stuff and then i started the breath work and i started the yoga and i started um different you know like you said i was training for a really long hike and so really getting finding strength in my physical body and um the astrology readings and tarot cards and crystals i had crystals in every fucking pocket <laughs> I love it. So Los Angeles, California. <laughs> I know. 
<laughs> I, so like all of it I leaned into. And then as I started to um, find some reprieve from the discomfort that I was feeling, like just the that present day discomfort, then I started to be able to breathe and take a step back and say, okay, what's what's working for me right now? How can I really like, how can I fine tune what it is that I'm doing and really hone in on the things that are really, really working. And so after just throwing all of the modalities into a pot and stirring it up, then like my soup started to really come together and I found what really worked for me. I love that. Mm -hmm. So beautiful. I want to talk, I do want to mention because one of your offerings is i love that you call it rewilding you're such a big nature person and i want to talk about this solo hike because it wasn't i i feel like you were already in the midst of this transformation but i feel like when you came back from that correct me if i'm wrong because i'm trying to remember your timeline because we have so many beautiful chats but i feel like that's when you started to bloom like you want to do the coaching and start your business after that um, so can you like kind of let any everyone in on this hike? I mean, you were gone for how many days? I think it was 19 days on the trail. 19 um, days 19 on the Pacific Coast Trail. Yeah, the John Muir Trail. So the John Muir. incredibly beautiful hike that spans 211 miles of the Sierras here in California. And I ended up doing with all of my side hikes as well. It ended up being, I think, 281 miles over the course of 19 or 21 days and it you're right I had already gotten myself to a place where I was stabilized um and you know not in so much pain anymore and that hike was really something that um put me over on the other side of my healing to be at a place where you know for the most part by myself and sleeping out in the trees and pushing my body to um places that I didn't know it could go to really like expanding beyond my physical edges and being halfway up a mountain being like I don't think I can finish this and then just trusting that I could and my body always always showing up for me um and just walking it off you know there there's so you don't at least in that on that hike, I didn't go in being like, well, I want to forgive my father and I want to, you know, find peace in this relationship and I want to, you know, empower myself to move forward in a career. I was just head down, do the thing, get through the days, nourish my body, rest well, wake up, do it again, tend to my blisters, figure out what's going to happen with my toenail that's falling off. Like <laughs> there was the physical things that I just needed to take care of. And then as you're walking and as you are stretching yourself to a capacity that is beyond what you thought you could do, then these, these thoughts come in and you have this thing to focus on, which is surviving. And then these things kind of come in and you just walk it off. And I haven't gotten this, uh, I haven't uh, fact checked this, um, so take everything that I'm saying right now with a grain of salt, but there's a therapy modality called EMDR and it's left brain, right brain stimulation. And when, and it's a way to reprocess and reprogram your thoughts. And I genuinely believe that I was, it was like 21 days of EMDR because I'm sitting there finding forgiveness and acceptance for my entire past and like really bringing my father and bringing my ex and bringing my mother and bringing my siblings into you know that moment with me finding so much acceptance and love and then left foot right foot left foot right foot left foot right foot over and over and over and so as i'm finding this acceptance within my mind it's being integrated into my body and so there was just so much coming out of that hike there's like the real lessons that i learned like like this, oh, I could go into so many of them, but there were so many lessons that I walked away from being like, my hike taught me this. And then there's the things that just got integrated through the peaceful thinking and walking. And so when I got done with my hike, the, the world that I stepped back into I again, I was a master creator of all of it, my job, my friends, my clothing, my diet, everything that I was before I walked onto that trail 
was there for me and waiting for me when I finished. The only thing that was different was me. And to to step into my clothing and to step into my job and to step into the conversations that I had, you know, pinned for later, I didn't, it didn't match anymore. And it took some time to really sift out what that was and what that was going to look like. And, you know, I'm continuing to do that every day. But that was the moment where I was like, ooh, things don't fit the way that they used to. And I can't continue. I'm not going to go back to the shape that I was before in order to make this life that I'm sitting in now more comfortable for me. I'm going to keep, I'm going to change my life so that it matches this more embodied version of who I am today. Wow. Wow. Thank you for sharing. I feel like I've heard you tell me personally that story like a few times before, but I always hear something different each time where I, I just like feel like I'm there with you <laughs> in a I'm way. <laughs> it's really cool. And I and coming back to LA, <laughs> a super materialistic place, mm-hmm. and having had that incredible journey in nature alone, super life-changing. Mm-hmm. You know, I know you just touched on it a little bit, but how long did it kind of take you to get your feet back on the ground? I, I, I think that when you come back to a place like Los Angeles, you kind of get smacked in the face with mm-hmm. everything that you were dealing with and letting go of. Right. Was it still like, even though you were like, I'm choosing not to go back to that habit, that person, that toxicity, that idea, that version, mm-hmm. um, were there times where you did feel like, oh, I, I am falling back into that, but I'm going to be compassionate and come back? Like, totally. Yeah, absolutely. And the one thing, one of the biggest things that I received when I was out on that trail was compassion for myself and in turn other people that any judgment or um, frustration, um, impatience that we place on other people, that's just a direct reflection of how we're treating ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so to go to to go away like that and to come back with such a tremendous amount of appreciation and compassion for myself and the journey that is my life up to this point um it it was absolutely jarring to come back to such a um vibrant city vibrant is a beautiful place a beautiful (laughs) a beautiful description (laughs) after having been in such a peaceful place but the I, I, I had so much patience for where everyone was at because I had just flushed out so much of the, my own judgment that I had on myself. And so it, it, it didn't feel like I was coming back and pointing my finger at people saying, you're wrong for living this way or pointing my finger at myself and saying, you're wrong for living this way. It was just kind of like, okay, everyone's, everyone is genuinely at all times doing the best that they can. And I, I am, I'm in that as well. And so there wasn't a lot of judgment, although it was jarring, there was a lot of compassion for exactly where people are at. And I didn't really start to, cause that was October. I got back October of 2019. And so I had the, you know, like so many of us had the opportunity to lean into the pandemic. And if I, I don't know what my life would have been like if my world hadn't shut down and if the salons hadn't been closed. I mean, I, I don't think we mentioned this, but I've been a hairstylist for 18 years and I was doing the thing. I was working in a salon five or six days a week and I was in the middle of Beverly Hills. And that was such a core part of my identity and the way that I, you know, took care of myself. It's the way I paid my bills. And so it was really hard to come back and immediately change. But then when the world shut down and I was not allowed to work, I I embraced that isolation and I embraced that opportunity to really take inventory of what my life looks like and use it as an opportunity to make those shifts that I really wanted to make as soon as I got back from my hike. But I was too afraid to do it. And so the pandemic really offered me an opportunity to like shake it up. So you did the hike in 2019? 
Yeah. And then the pandemic yeah, happened in 2020. And soft landings. And so it was about six months. Okay. Uh-huh. And then soft landings uh-huh. came about in 2021, you would say? Soft landings came about in. Or the end of 2020. Oh, great question. Or does 20, that matter? At the end of 2020. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was at the end of 2020, I believe, is when um, I took my first coaching client. That's so cool. Yeah. I had the. Mm-hmm. I was very fortunate to get to work with you in 2021. That's why I was like, how uh-huh. early was it that yeah. you you did that? Um, so during the pandemic <laughs> with the, with you not having any income and anything, you really just got to sit with yourself even more, almost like it was a little bit in a different way, repeating the hike again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was its own like, portal for so many of us um that yeah there it was um i'm sorry i may have interrupted you before you were finished with your question what did you ask me no this is all back and forth i don't i don't feel like you interrupted me okay um the right at the start of the pandemic right before the pandemic actually i had made the decision that i wanted to start evolving out of hair and into something that allowed me to be in service to people. I had realized that there was this whole opportunity to feel peacefulness in my life and to feel aligned. And I I was starting to see that that was something that I could support people in finding for themselves. And I thought that the only way to do that was to get my master's degree and become a therapist. I went straight from high school to beauty school. So I had, I needed to do all of my general education classes. So I had started prior to the pandemic taking like English one and history one and sociology one at a community college here and was just kind of accepting the fact that in order for me to be of service, I needed to wait 10 years because I needed to go to school and get my undergraduate degree and then get my master's and then do all of my clinical hours. The society and checklist. So, uh-huh. <laughs> yep, exactly. And I needed that piece of paper or all of those pieces of paper in order for society to tell me that I was ready, that I was wise enough, that I was, you know, stable enough to do this thing. And so I had, you know, knocked out a couple of classes, was trying to convince myself that it was exciting but really deep down inside it was like this is so daunting and i don't want to do it but i was really under the misbelief that i had to and then when the pandemic hit um i went into my first one-on-one guided medicine journey and when i got out of that was when everything kind of this whole other avenue opened up to me and the woman that I sat with, um, she was putting together a group of women for a really intensive, um, women's group, like women's work. And I believe in that first cohort, there were nine of us that were working together and it was, I think a four month commitment. And I knew the stretch, that that had the potential to put me in, like to do that in the way that I wanted to do it, which was like to fully open and to fully expand into it. I knew that I couldn't do the classes as well because I was also at the time trying to figure out how to like do my job safely, like the thing that's providing me income, hair, like how can I do that safely with and responsibly with all the pandemic stuff still happening? So it was school or this abstract spiritual women's work and i was like fuck it i'm gonna do this i'm gonna (laughs) i'm gonna go the women's route because if it ends up not being the thing then it's only a few months and then i can jump back into classes later and that ended up being so expansive for me it ended up being you know we ended up doing two rounds of that group all with the same women and just i mean the amount of healing that i experienced in that container of just like women supporting women and opening myself up and being vulnerable and honest about what's true and saying the thing that's hardest to say and taking ownership of my life and as i moved through these programs 
um, I started to really see with such clarity that I didn't need my degree in order to do this work. And so when I completed those containers, that's I hired a um, intentional business coach. And I was like, help me <laughs> build the website, I guess, which is so cute because I, I, I don't, I mean, I'm sure it's great to have a website and I've never given anyone my website, but I think it was another one of those things where I'm like, okay, if society's going to believe that I'm capable of doing this thing that I like need to have a website, I need to have my business. And well, your so website's stunning. Your photos of you are so perfect and authentic and beautiful. Yeah. I mean, but I get what you mean. Like it was just, a, it was still another thing where you were like, I have to have this to prove to people that I'm worthy. Yep. to present myself in this way. Yeah. And it's true. You know, like if someone is going to refer someone to me, then it doesn't hurt to have a website. It doesn't hurt to like have this thing to present to the world. Um, so I hired a business coach and she helped me so beautifully. She helped me to build the website and do the human stuff. And then she also really helped me to understand where my blocks were around claiming this and really starting to say like, yes, I'm a coach. Um, because I had such a hard time even saying that. And so um, I very, I very clearly remember the very first time that I ever told some, someone asked me what I did. And I said, I'm, I'm a life coach. Instead of I'm a hairstylist and I'm also a life coach. And I said it and I was like, fuck yeah, that's what I do. Yes. That's what I do. What uh, a huge win. Mm-hmm. And then after I completed my website, it was that day that it went live that I sat down and I said a prayer and I just said, if I'm meant to do this, then send me a client and I promise I'll say yes. And a few days later, um, my dear friend and I had someone over for dinner and um, he asked me if I, I was just riffing and just having a conversation with him. And he was like, can I hire you to do this? And I was like, and Megan, my dear friend and housemate, she was like, yes, actually you can hire her. It's what she does. And I was like, here we go. We're doing the thing. We're doing it. And it's been just such a beautiful, and that's kind of where I've come from with this business the entire time is if it's meant to be, then things will continue to come, come in. Um, with this, you know, in the wellness space and in the coaching space and in the medicine space and the facilitation space, um, there's a fine line I, I try and really be mindful of, which is, you know, efforting so much and um, really just letting, letting what's meant to come to you come to you and trusting that if you're walking the aligned path and you're meant to be in support to people, then those people will show up and just kind of take your hands off the steering wheel don't be attached to anything don't have any expectations on yourself and i'm so grateful for the career that i had before for so many reasons um but for this conversation i didn't have to quit a job and put myself in financial distress in order to start this new endeavor i got to slowly let you know one grow while i just let others you know, in the hair stuff organically fall away. Um, and because I've had the opportunity to let the scales tip organically, I've never come from a place of lack when it comes to, you know, soft landings, when it comes to the coaching business. And I think that that's been really, really supportive for me being able to really stay in my integrity on how I, how I operate, how I, you know, offer my offerings. Yeah, it's it's it is really wonderful to see how everything really has fallen in the way it has to make this path for you. Because even I think with the pandemic, you were able to not work out of the salon and do more one-on-ones with the hairstyling to keep yourself afloat, but that allowed you to be more flexible, I'm sure, to be able to do coaching so you can weave it all through the same day and build soft landings as well and i love how intentional you are i would love to just like explore with you or for you to share with us how you came up with soft landings i think it is such a erica mm -hmm. gentle 
compassionate name. Like it's a warm pillow to just like cuddle up with. Did it just like kind of come to you or where did that name come from? Yeah, it did just come to me. Um, my, my business coach that I was working with, Maddie, she really helped to like massage out um, a lot of my stuff. And the name was definitely something that just <sighs> soft landings came to me because at the time I was doing a lot of um, medicine work, a lot of plant medicine work. And I would go away on these, you know, retreats and immersions. And then I would come back and I was so grateful for my home and so grateful for the people. Oh no. You just froze for just a second. You're back. That's okay. Um, so grateful for your home and so grateful for the people. So yeah, and, and it felt like a soft landing. And the so much of what it is that we share with each other in this work and so much of, you know, hang on, I need to slow down again. In order for us to feel safe, to say the thing that's hard to say, and in order for us to feel like the, that we're, that we are safe, that we are being cuddled in this warm, soft, loving, compassionate place. That's what really helps to massage out the vulnerability. That's what helps to massage out and, and create the safe space for people to share. And the idea of I'm not, I'm not rigid. I'm not, you know, there's, there's this um, forcing anyone beyond their edge before they're ready is not going to do anyone a service. There is an opportunity for me as a coach to stand really powerfully as a reflection point for the other person to see themselves, but it's there's nothing hard or forceful around what it is that I'm doing. Everything is soft, everything is compassionate, everything is patient um, because I want all the things to be able to come up in this really natural way. And soft landings to me, that's what I always craved whenever I would go and I'd explore the deep realms of myself and then come back to reality. It's like, oh, oh that landing. Good job. Well done, mama. I'm so proud of you. That was so brave. What do you need? How can I take care of you? Let me run you a bath. Let me pour you some tea. It's that feeling of being able to go and do the hard thing and face off with yourself and say the thing that's hard and scary. And then on the other side of that, feel this really warm embrace of just encouragement that you're doing it, babe. You're doing it. And that's that's what soft landings is to me. It's that moment. I'm, I'm like... I'm feeling everything. I mean, Erica can see what I'm doing. You guys can't, but I'm just like, I feel so like warm and fuzzy inside just hearing that. Um, and so we had a chance to work together and I'm curious to know because it did feel so individualized. Do you rely on like your intuition? Like I felt like you were really taking in what I was giving you each session. And I know there's no blueprint for each client that comes along. Like is is it from your own personal experiences or all the different modalities you've done that you kind of curate a way to work? We did we did a lot of inner child work. I'm trying to figure out what my question is, but like <laughs> kind of just like how you work with clients because we're all probably coming with you with so many different things. Yeah. But you you do feel so intu intuitively connected to each person. How are you able to individualize your mm -hmm. coachings, I guess? So thank you for this question. Um, I always knew when I started to develop soft landings that I didn't want there to be the blueprint. It didn't feel true for me. And that works, man. That really, that, that technique and that kind of structure works for a lot of people. And so I have a lot of reverence for the, for the coaches that work in that capacity. Um, for me, it never felt true. And what I'm starting to just now in lifetime really understand the, my why behind that um, is that for me to create a structure, there is a kind of 
unspoken expectation for what that structure is going to bring you. It's like if you go to the gym and you work with a trainer and they're like, okay, this is our, this is our three month kind of, this is what we do. And this is the destination. I don't have a destination point for the people that I work with. There's no expectation or attachment to an outcome when I sit down in front of someone and start this work together. You know, there is certainly, you know, aspects of life that I hope that someone can experience, like the peacefulness, like the acceptance, like the softening, like the expression, like the the liberation. But it's not my place to tell someone where I think they should get to. The way that I'm able to work intuitively is to just listen to people when they talk and there's no agenda behind that. There's no, there's no, like I said, attachment to where we're going to go to. There's just a very compassionate and grounded listener that's sitting in front of you that can hopefully reflect back to you a version of yourself that you need to be able to see in order to face off with the aspects of yourself that you are wanting to understand a little bit better. The the place where I do start to, you know, interject or to come in is where I can just reflect back to someone or um, refine a statement or redirect someone's attention so that they can see the blind spot that from my perspective, I have a little bit more clarity on. It doesn't feel so personal to me. The, and the, the, what you, the content that you're discussing as the client comes with the, the bodily sensations that are with that content for you and so it's a whole thing going on you've got mind body and spirit that is all trying to make sense of this one sentence i'm over here completely detached from the from it being personal and so there's clarity that i can receive from that so my my responsibility is to just reflect back to you the things that it is that i'm witnessing being able to listen really really listen to somebody that's really all it is. And then, you know, you let what's most true for someone guide the session. I could go in with the attachment that today we're going to work on self-love. And that's the that's the content that I want to hit on. And that's the place that I see that you need to work on. Um, but then you, you know, we're sitting here and we're having this conversation. And all of a sudden, it's so apparent to me that there's another direction that you want to take. You may not even know that you want to take that, but who am I to tell you stop? Don't be with what, what's naturally arising within you. Follow my outline. So you just let what's true be true and you just, you go with that. And that's, that's where the kind of intuitive coaching comes from is just kind of getting out of the way a little bit. Yeah, that's really great. Not being attached. And then I know I, I touched on it for like a hot second, but I don't think I fully explained it when we went into your solo trip, but you also do your rewilding where you take people on hikes and teach them how to kind of camp overnight by themselves. I actually haven't done one of those yet. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, I think it's still really cool. And I know I'm always like, I'm going to do that one day and I haven't done it yet. But. Yeah. And that's, it's something that like, again, it's, it's being with what's true. And I did my big hike and I was like, fuck yeah, this is my zone of genius. And then I, I have been, you know, expanding and other things. And so my personal relationship to those trails, I haven't poured that much attention into them in the last couple of years. Does it still feel true to keep that as an offering and to, you know, it's actually been coming through a lot recently where it's like, okay, maybe it's time to like really pour some attention into what that could look like. Um, but since the like real idea of that came through, there's been um, other 
avenues that have been asking for my attention, which is the plant medicine, which is the facilitation, which is the journeying. And so that's something that I didn't know was going to be a part of what it was that I offered. But again, if I'm just sitting back and letting what is meant to come through, come through without any interjections or, you know, illusion of control, then that's what has been asking for my attention recently. That's really cool. Do you want to go in a little bit on how you got into doing the facilitating and, um, or I, I, you started doing it yourself, Mm -hmm. doing the journeys yourself, but then what made you want to start facilitating? Was it still like an intuitive, intuitive pool? Yeah. Yeah. Everything around, everything around the plant medicine has, I've really stepped back and just listened into what felt true. That is a space that I have so much reverence for. And it's not really a path that um, I I choose. It's a path that chooses me. Um, and, you know, doing the journey on my own and developing my own relationship with this entire ecosystem of plants and all the medicine um and then really calling in support to have you know people guide me through all these experiences um it just very organically and very like you get the call and you start to like there was there was a moment with me where you know my relationship to the medicine changed where i I will forever be a student. I will forever be a loving, humble student to these plants. And there was a moment that um, it was very clear from the medicine that it's time to study in a different way. It's time to study so that you can be a hollow bone in service to this plant. And I was like, okay, great. Great. It's an honor. It's an absolute honor and privilege one potentially the highest honor of my life to be in service to these beautiful plant teachers. Yeah. I feel like you always constantly are trying to challenge yourself and expand yourself and grow yourself in order to be a better coach and facilitator. You know, you, you're always looking for, you know, I know you just went on like a silent retreat and that was your first silent retreat, right? Mm -hmm. Like just to try something to see, I remember you explain it in a really cool way. You're like, there's parts of my ego that I really want to learn more about so I can kind of have a better relationship with it. And this is calling to me mm-hmm. so I can shut out all the noise. Um, I just think like, and, and I think that's what's an interesting thing going back to a school where you're checking off the list to get the degree but mm-hmm. like you said you're in constant learning you're you're constantly trying to pull from all these different things in order to bring to your clients or your yeah the people that you're in service with mm-hmm. um that's one of the best things i mean <laughs> it's one of the best things about um living a life of service is that i learned so much I learned so much from my clients. I learned so much from the community around me. I learned so like there's this there's this accountability that's required to continue doing this work. And there's a um yeah, it's an accountability to like do the thing that you're inviting other people to do. Like devote yourself to your daily practices like be honest and say the thing that you don't really want to say own up to the places that feel really crunchy and scary like i'm inviting my clients to do this all the time who would i be if i wasn't also doing that and it's so it's it's this really beautiful like constant daily school for myself to like lean in do the work alongside of these people do the you know um a dear friend of mine said to me a while ago, and I'll never forget it. You can't teach from your wounds, but you, you should teach from your scars. And, you know, so if there's places inside of me that are still wounded, I have the, um, I've got half of it figured out and I'm air quoting figured out where it's like, Ooh, I understand the pain point of this wound, but I have yet to move beyond it. And so, you know, 
constantly flushing myself out and saying, okay, this is a blind spot. This is where I get to show up for myself so that I can show up for other people in a more integrous way. And so I am always looking for, you know, that next edge. That's something that I'm actually right now at this phase of my life, um, softening on at the moment where it's like, baby girl, integrate. (laughs) You've done a lot. (laughs) You've done a lot. Vipassanas and ayahuasca's and women's retreats and all the things. And so it's like, I'm in a place right now where I'm, I'm really graciously allowing myself the time and the space to just step back, integrate it all. The next lesson will come to you. I promise you don't have to go digging for it. It, You're the, the awareness that I have around what parts of me need my attention. It that's online. So, you know, as much as a ceremony room is like my favorite place to be. um, Also, it's kind of like, okay, maybe you don't, need to do that all the time <laughs> integrate <laughs> the last couple of years integrate. so after vipassana i was like oh i need a minute <laughs> that was hard i can only imagine y'all couldn't speak or even journal right no journaling no there's no there's no eye contact there's no talking there's no nonverbal communication and they they ask you to um release any of your daily practices to anything else yoga breath work journaling um and and i really i respect that because they're asking the you know it's 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 like tasting the thing before you put the salt in it how does it taste um get find out what that root of it feels like and then you know expand on it later and it stretched me to a capacity that i had yet to get to which is hilarious because it's the quietest place ever and it's you know there's no medicine involved you know there's no plant medicine involved there's no you know um shifting your consciousness through a substance it's just meditation and it was loud and it was hard and it took several months to integrate the experience and i'm still doing that the quietest but the loudest (laughs) yeah our minds man they will scream at us (laughs) (laughs) well so where can people find you so you have your website your societal website to for your one-on-one coaching and then for your facilitating is that something that people can reach out to you too totally so um my website has the um a way to get in contact with me and it's erica no it's not (laughs) (laughs) this is how many times i've given away my website how many it will be in the show notes too right (laughs) um the my instagram is erica e-r-i-c-a dot soft landings and that has a link to my website um my actual website is soft dash landings dot co but yeah just put it in the show notes I love that. It's just so not, not the thing that I say often. So thank you for your patience, everybody. Well, I'm going to shout it from the rooftops. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. It was so wonderful hearing your story and your honesty about where all, how much it took for you to get where you are now. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you're such a beautiful person inside and out. And it's such an honor to have you on here. Jody, thank you so much that you you were continued support um, long before I ever chose to do this. Um, I have felt your support for just the consistent evolution of who I was um, long before it ever became a thought of a business. And then for you to so quickly jump in and be like, I want to be your client. It's just the support and the championing um, really, truly means so much to me. I just think that you're magical. (laughs) And I end each podcast with a note pass (laughs) from my previous guest, a little love note, if you will, from them to you. Mm -hmm. And so the my guest before you was Nalini Sharma. She's a comedian, writer, actress. 
And she chose this quote, which is insane to me because I'm like, this is so Erica. <laughs> by Ram Das. When you go out into the woods and you look at trees, you see all these different trees. And some of them are bent and some of them are straight and some of them are evergreens and some of them are whatever. And you look at the tree and you allow it. You see why it is the way it is. You sort of understand that it didn't get enough light. And so it turned that way and you don't get all emotional about it. You just allow it. You appreciate the tree. The minute you get near humans, you lose all that. And you are constantly saying you're to this or I'm to this that judging mind comes in. And so I practice turning people into trees, which means appreciating them just the way they are. Oh, that's so beautiful. Wow, I'm gonna take that with me. It's really, that was perfect. Yeah. <laughs> that landed softly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad. Thank you so much again for being a part of this. I love you so much. I love you so much. Thanks, Jody. Thank you so much for listening to the Notes with Friends podcast hosted by me, Jody Moore Lewis. Please like and subscribe. It helps boost the show in the charts. And I want to give a shout out to Robopop for my music. I hope you found that episode as exhilarating as I did. And I will catch you next week right here. See you soon.